Hello, and welcome to the Her and Him podcast. I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And when two theologians get married, what you get is a podcast. Well, how are you feeling? Um, are you feeling rested? Yes, I'm very rested. Are you over-rested? I am overly rested and feel like I don't have anything to do right now. Other than record a podcast. Right, which, I mean, great timing, huh? There's just a whole lot more time on my hands than I think I'm used to right now, and that's kind of making me go a little crazy. Yeah, so as we're recording this, we are on lockdown because of COVID-19. We've been locked down at the time of this recording, was it been like three or four weeks? It feels like it's been like a super long time. Plus, it was raining this week, so we couldn't even take a a walk around the block. (laughs) So we figured, hey, we might as well just start talking into some microphones. That seemed better than just screaming into the abyss. So this may be a little bit more productive use of our time. But today we want to talk about rest because it's something that we are all being forced to do. Mm, Yep. I think this season of life is showing me that I don't rest well because I'm having a really hard time resting. Why do you think it is that you have such a hard time or we have such a hard time resting? Because we don't do it. And we're always going and we're always performing and we're always doing. I'm actually having to figure out what rest is. Just because you don't have anything to do doesn't mean you're actually resting. Either way, I'm not doing it well. (laughs) So we do want to define, like, really, what does it mean to rest? It seems like it should be this good thing. But in the culture that we live in, rest is almost like for old people or dead people or lazy people. And we think it's a bad thing. In theory, we think it's great. Like, oh, everyone needs rest. And we're really on this whole, like, self-care, take care of who you are. And that means rest. But... If we're really honest with ourselves, we usually associate it with something negative like being And especially, like, I feel like in the church, we do this a lot, where if you ask, oh, how are you doing? You say, oh, I'm busy. I'm so busy, but good. You're like, wow, that person is just, look at them. Look at how busy they are. Look at how much, they never sleep. They never take a day off. And (laughs) not resting is really, like, the only sin that we get praised for. It's the only sin Mm. that we get raises for and we get the corner office for. Uh, You don't get that for any other sin like being arrogant or prideful or for lying or cheating Mm. or stealing. Those are things that we see as wrong. But resting really is something we're so jacked up about is that not resting is something that we praise as though it were a good thing. Right. And it's almost as if you're a better person, you're a stronger person, the more you can really load onto your day or onto your week and the less amount of time you're at home. We complain about it, but we complain about it knowing it brings praises. So it's, it's actually like complaint. It is. Oh, it really is. Look like, at how terrible. Oh, Look at how awful my life is. I'm the busiest person. Look at how many meetings I have. Look at how productive I am. Oh. Right. Yeah. And where you're really saying like, dang, that's a person who knows how to get it done. And so the idea of being busy means you get things done quickly and you're efficient and you're, you, you know, you're all the things I want, I aspire to be. But it's simply not true. A big place I've really been seeing that is I've been moving through the book of Mark And I was really surprised at how many times you see Jesus stepping aside to rest or to pray. 
it seems so subtle because it's like one verse and then he gets pulled away again. But how many times, you know, he's intentional about going to rest is really what's made me think, hey, maybe I'm not good at this. Or maybe I don't even attempt it. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about what the Bible has to say about rest, because even from the first pages of Scripture, we see rest as this good thing uh, that is given to us. So let's talk about where we first see rest in the Bible. The beginning of that really is in Genesis. It's part of creation. It's built into the rhythm of what we see in the very beginning of time for us um, and the marker of the beginning of creation. Rest is built into that sequence of events. So in Genesis, you see it right away. After God creates, he rests. What do you think it means that God rested? So he created the earth and everything in it in six days. And then on the seventh day, he rested. What, like, what is the significance of that? Because obviously God is He's not tired. tired. He's not on a circadian He's, rhythm. Right. <laughs> Daylight savings didn't throw him off. So really, it's this idea that when he was finished with his work, he took a moment to step back and really look at it, admire it, and enjoy it, and say okay, I don't need to now jump into the very next thing. I think what he was doing is actually just basking in his creation. And instead of continuing to work and do more things, he rested. It wasn't out of weariness. It wasn't out of being tired. It was out of taking a moment to actually look at what was completed and to enjoy Mm -hmm. that. So it almost seems like there's a couple of things. One is that rest isn't necessarily a passive thing. When I tend to think of rest, I tend to think of disengaging. But maybe that's just my personality. But rest seems like it's a further engagement of what's going on around you. Yeah. And then the other thing is that rest isn't only for when you're tired. Mm -hmm. It's part of the rhythms of creation that if you're resting only when you're tired, you're perhaps not doing it properly. God was appreciating the work that was done. And I don't think we do that. We don't sit back and admire the beauty of things or even the completion of a project. Like we've been really working on it hard. I know for me, I'll just jump to the very next thing. And you're like, okay, that's done. Next thing, move along. But God actually stops to pause. And I think that's a bit more of the essence of what rest is supposed to be. It's supposed to be taking a moment to pause and enjoy. But it's an engaged pause. Right. And appreciate. Um, And I even think about the way you can appreciate nature. You don't do that within the walls of your own home. You actually have to like go out and walk in it and be in it and feel it. Mm-hmm. So it's a very engaged type of thing where you're looking at the completed work um, and enjoying it. And so we see rest as part of the created order as this one in seven uh, days is a day that's meant for rest. And then as you continue on in the scriptures as uh, God appoints Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and Jacob's name is changed to Israel, and he becomes a nation. 
God really codifies these things through the laws of Moses, and particularly in the Ten Commandments, this right. rule of the Sabbath, which in Hebrew literally just means seventh. Yeah. It's, the, it's the seventh day of the week. He says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, because in six days I created the world, and on the seventh day I rested. And so it becomes part of the Ten Commandments that were established as these guiding principles for the nation of Israel, codified in their nation. And then there's further explanation of that throughout the Law of Moses. And really that was something that was countercultural to the time of Israel. There was no like five-day work week. That's like a a 19th, 20th century creation that we enjoy now. But people work seven days a week. And so for someone to not work one of those seven days – it was really meant to be this act of faith and trust in God. Yeah. Right. And understanding that for us, like you said, we were pretty used to this in terms of it set up as a time frame in our lives already. But culturally for Israel, this was completely different than anyone else, um, any other nation around None them. None of them were taking like mental health days or... No. And the idea is really going back to it was an act of faith and obedience to God, what he had set up for them and what he had called for them and really being for the benefit of them. Right. And it was this reminder that I'm not the one who's taking care of me. God is the one who's taking care of me. And resting in that is my acknowledgement that that is the truth. And so God says, this is a rhythm of creation that you were built for. Um, But as we live in this fallen world, you need to actually step into that by faith. You need to be active in it and choosing it. It doesn't come naturally. And I think even looking back at Israel, we can see it wasn't natural for the other nations either. God had to say, look, the best life you could have is to have rest built into it. And so I'm going to display that and I'm actually going to show it to you. And I'm going to remind you that I did it when I was creating the entire world. Again, not because God was tired and he needed rest, but it also was a model that he was putting forth for his people, for them to even look back and see and for them to trust that they should abide by that same model. Yeah. And we really see all the ways that they failed in that. And it's it's easy to throw rocks at Israel and say, like, look at all of those knuckleheads who never did the right thing. But we, we tend to do the same thing. Even as we see them come into the promised land and God had established this Sabbath day, but he'd also established a, a Sabbath year, that the seventh year – Uh, that Israel would let the land rest. The year of Jubilee, right? The year of Jubilee was every 50th year. Oh, yes. Okay. So I can't do the math off the top of my head. So it was like the 7th, 7th, I think. I think it was the 7th, 7th. That's 49. Mm -hmm. And then the 50th year was the year of Jubilee. Mm -hmm. And that was like a super Sabbath. Mm -hmm. But they were supposed to have that Sabbath year where they didn't grow crops but they let the land rest as an act of faith that God was the one that was going to care for them. He wrote into Leviticus, God did, that if Israel was ever exiled from the land, which they eventually would be, that they would be exiled for the term of every Sabbath year that they didn't keep. 
so that those Sabbaths could be repaid back to the land. And when Israel had followed after idols and done all kinds of horrible things, God allowed other nations to come in and bring them into exile and take them out of the land. And that was a period of 70 years that they were out of the land, which when you do the math, that means that they missed 70 Sabbath years. That means it was 490 years since the last time they had observed a Sabbath year, which is basically never. They just never did it uh, because they didn't have the faith. Imagine one year out of seven, your company just didn't do anything to make profits. One year out of seven, like your your company just took the year off in faith that God was going to care for them. That's really what God was asking them to do, which is this, that's a big thing. It was this true act of faith. And when they didn't take that act of faith, they were really trusting in themselves to care for themselves. And when they did that, they began to make alliances with the nations around them, as you would do as a smart politician with a smart foreign policy. And you want to make nice with these other nations. But Israel was supposed to be different from those nations. And in making nice with those other nations, creating alliances, trading culture with them, they began to import those foreign gods and those foreign cultures that were very pagan, that made sacrifices to the, the god of crops and the god of rain and the god of fertility and whatever it was, and even to the point of child sacrifice because they were trying to do anything and everything to make sure that their economy was going to keep going, that they were going to have uh, a strong, secure place in the world. And when they didn't trust God for those things, the path that it led them down was horrifying. And then when they were removed from the land, they ended up having to pay all that back anyways with those 70 years. Yeah, so as they were trying to set up their ideal situation and not follow God, it actually backfired and was far worse. Right. Something bad would have happened in that year. And I think the key principle there is this. You need to rest as a part of your regular rhythms. And if you don't rest, you think you're getting ahead. But at the end of the day, you're eventually still going to have to pay all of that back and perhaps even then some. When you think about people who have been in leadership and they just burnt out, they're, they're paying back all that rest and then some. Or someone who was just continuing to push forward, maybe in a leadership position, they lost perspective, and then they did something morally bankrupt that just shot them out of the saddle, and now they're gone. You end up paying it back. It's kind of like, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. It'd be better to follow the rhythms of rest that God has established for us than to have to pay it all back lump sum yeah, when your life is wrecked. And that's an intrinsic need for all of humanity. We as humans in the way God created us, we need rest in our lives. And that being a core principle of that, if you don't follow it, you can see that affecting so many other pieces of your life in a negative way, not just physically. I think sometimes we think rest is just physical. And so if I don't stop that, you know, my body will maybe break down, but it's bigger. And that's what you're saying is you'll see the, the repercussions of that in, in a far larger way. Yeah. And so as we look at Israel, 
uh, obviously we're not under the same laws that they were. Jesus has come to fulfill the law and has fulfilled the law. And so we're not living under the Mosaic law anymore. What does that rest look like for us? Uh, Like, are we still not allowed to work on Saturdays or? I think when it comes to the law, there's a lot of Christians that kind of have that really mixed up in general saying, well, Jesus is here, so the law doesn't matter anymore. He did fulfill the law, but the essence of the law and what it was meant to do is still beneficial for us in our lives. So it's not that we had to follow it in the same way the Israelites did, but because we are living on the other side of the death and resurrection of Christ, we actually see the benefits of following what God had intended those laws to be for the benefit of humanity. It's still something that we need in our life. But I know a lot of other Christians who say Sunday is this holy day as if that is from the very beginning. And it's not to say that Sunday doesn't matter or having church on Sunday. Why are we even doing that in the first place? Not to even have an argument over any of those things, but to hold to Sunday as if that's what Sabbath means actually an incorrect understanding of the right, word Sabbath Right, because the earliest itself. church, they would observe the Sabbath on Saturday, and then they would have their church gatherings on Sunday. Then they would actually go to work because Sunday was a work day for them because that was the first day of the week. It's more of a cultural thing that Sunday is the Sabbath day. Uh, if we were keeping the law to a T, then we would rest from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. But the reason why we don't do that is because we're no longer bound to the Old Testament Mosaic law to the T of this regulation and that regulation. We're still uh, obligated to it in the sense that God was using that to show how he ordered creation how he ordered humanity to operate, how he ordered people to interact with one another, how he commanded people to worship him, all of those moral attributes, we see all of those played out in Israel. But when Jesus came, that official covenant, that official promise, that official contract in the Mosaic law was fulfilled and removed. Now that doesn't remove the obligation to rest or even to follow the pattern of a one in seven a pattern of resting, but it is to say that we do have flexibility in how that expresses itself in the way that we do it. Yeah, and I think you can actually even see that in Jesus's ministry, where you don't only see him carving out a time of rest on the day of Sabbath. You see where he's speaking to the crowds and You know, I think there's one place in Mark where it says it was like three days they were there and he ended up telling his disciples, hey, these people need food. Like, I can't even send them away from here because they're going to die on their way home because they've been here for three days with no food. Can you imagine being so ready to learn that you didn't eat? That you don't even want to eat? Yeah. And you're there for three days? That's so many meals for me. Being in seminary after like four hours of class, I'm like, all right, I'm... I'm out. Like, I'm or those go. Saturday classes that are yeah. like eight I'm hours. I'm going to the calf. Yeah. But just this idea. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting some really tater tots, man. Me there. Like, it's been four hours. Three days. They're like starving okay. to death. Anyways. 
I can't. So back to what I was saying about Jesus and before you're talking about tater tots. Um, so they were there listening to him teach and it was three days and they were hungry. But after that, you see him like continuing to speak to these massive crowds. And then any chance he gets, like you read this one or two line sentence saying, and then he like went off alone. Or even after he sent the disciples out on their own and they came back and he said, basically, you guys were busy from beginning to end of your trip out. Let's go and rest. And so not only was he resting, but he was actually calling his disciples to rest as well after their work. And you you can't really see it marked out in scripture in terms of like, were they working for five days or six days or how did it shake out? How many days until rest? That's because that's not. You the just point. see that they're working hard and they're resting hard. But again, you see the rhythm of work and rest and ministry and rest. And I think that's a piece too for people in ministry where we think, I can't right. stop. I think I once heard Carrie Newhoff say that if your busy season never ends, then you're not in a busy season. You just have a busy life. And that's not the kind of life Jesus has called us to. He's called us to certainly put forth a lot of effort to not waste our life doing nothing, but not at the expense of rest. Exactly. And for those that wear busyness as a badge of honor, it's actually not following even the example that Jesus gave us. I mean, if Jesus stopped to rest, what makes us think we don't need to stop and rest? What makes us think that we, our ministry is so much greater, our ministry has so much more impact that we couldn't possibly stop and rest if Jesus himself stopped to rest? Right. And obviously that was the model he was giving us. So I think that it looks different depending on where you are in your season of life because the demands of what's happening in your life looks different than the demands uh, that are happening in my life and what rest looks like. So do you have a couple of examples of what rest actually looks like for you now during time of isolation, but also just rest in general from work or from what are like, what are you resting from or right. for? I think that's an important question. Like what are you rest resting from? What are you resting for? Because it's definitely easy to get into one of two things. One is to get into like legalistic, this is my Sabbath day and gosh darn it, I'm not picking up the phone. I'm it is not, Sabbath day. <laughs> I am not so much as lifting a pencil on the Lord's day. That's something that Jesus even fought against with the Pharisees because he would heal someone on the Sabbath and they would say, you big fat sinner. And he said, this dude could not walk and now he can walk. Why are you upset with me? so we can get legalistic. The other side of that is to just be like, well, uh, I'm doing good things. And so I can fudge here and there. And, you know, we're not under the law anymore. If I only rested like a half day in the past 30 days, then it's, it's fine. But there's a balance in there that we need to find. And I think for me, it's kind of a difficult thing because a lot of times – like I just want to do the things that I'm doing more productively, more efficiency, just kind of tighten the screws on that so that I can get more done. Like what if I just – I was able to fit in like an, another task or another meeting. Like what's what are, what are the hacks so that I can do more? But what would it look like if instead of doing that, 
if I became more efficient and more productive and faster in the things that I need to do so that I could take advantage of rest and resting not when I'm exhausted. I think that's the problem that I get into is I only rest when I'm just like done. And th- and then I'm not even really resting. I'm just passing out. Even if not physically, like emotionally, mentally, just mental sludge. And I think that's the big piece is exhaustion has forced you to stop because you couldn't go one step further because your body is not capable anymore. And so that's just called exhaustion and burnout, not right. rest. And it, it keeps you from that active, engaged rest. I think I I struggle with resting when I'm not tired because I don't want to shirk the responsibilities that I have. Like I have a job and they're paying me to get things done and I want to get those done in a timely, efficient manner and I want to do them well. And then also I'm involved in ministry and that's an even higher calling than just doing a job for money. I want to do that to impact, you know, effectiveness of the church and engaging people for Jesus. And so when you pack all that on, there's really probably more that I'm carrying than I was meant to carry in that. And I think a lot of people struggle with that as well, especially if you're in ministry or if you're a nonprofit or if you're trying to do something that is making a positive impact in the world, you carry the weight of that. And it's not a weight you were meant to carry. It's a weight that belongs to Jesus and the Holy Spirit who is empowering transformation because we want to transform the world, transform people's hearts. We don't have any power to do that. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers that. And yet, because I'm the one that's doing the things, I'm the monkey that's pushing the button, I tend to think that if I don't do it, then how can it get done? Yeah. Would you say there's any rhythms in your life in this moment that would be a good example of resting? Do you think you have any practical ways you're resting I think now that we can't go anywhere, you know, walking around the block or just kind of engaging my mind in something that is not work-related, those are good things that are active ways to rest. Yeah, and I would actually say something that you've brought to our family in terms of rest is if you would look at our calendar because we keep uh, it's called the getting our lives together, together because uh, it is actually called getting because our lives I, together. I kept yes, I double booked you, you like three up. times. That was the beginning of her marriage, and so I just decided. And I just got, got an alert in my inbox. You now have a calendar, and please plug everything you can think of into this calendar. So back to what I was saying. One thing that you actually have begun to ask that we do as a family is if you'll look at the calendar and you'll see three Saturdays back-to-back booked, that you'll say, hey, after this event or this Saturday, can we have like a rest day? Free day. And so something that's very practical for us is we will actually schedule that in as free day. And we both know what that means. This is a day that we don't have anything planned and don't plan anything because mm-hmm. our plan is right. no plan. Like we're not going to a family function or a church function or some kind of big errand. Because I found if I go two, three, four weeks in a row where we have a packed Saturday. That doesn't go well for either mm-hmm. one of us. And it's not so even necessarily those work things. It could be exactly. social things. It can be 
other kind of events that we go to, but because we had a packed Monday through Friday, and then we pack our Friday evening, and then we pack our Saturday, and then Sunday's church, and then we're back to, to it on Monday, when it's all said and done, we didn't actually rest. We didn't. And so I think that's a really practical thing that families can do as they're looking at the calendar and saying, no, we're committing for our family to rest. Yeah. And it's also understanding that there are going to be sprints, but sprint, a sprint is meant to be short. If you're sprinting 26.2 miles, like you are dead. That's not a sprint. Yeah. That is a marathon. (laughs) Yes. That's not a sprint (laughs) at all. And, And so scheduling that in and being real firm about that. Like if someone asks you, can you come do this thing on such and such a day and you look at your calendar and that's already slotted in as a free day or a free space or a free afternoon or however you want to work it in your schedule, you can say, no, I just can't. I have a commitment. Yeah. So something that we've learned Mm -hmm. is when you actually put it into the calendar, it makes a difference. And you got to put those in first because as a calendar fills up, like it'll really stack up on you quick. Well, you don't notice because sometimes, you know, you'll make a commitment two months from now. The frog in the kettle. What does that mean? What is the frog doing in the kettle? Frog in the kettle. You put the frog in, in the kettle with the cold water and then you slowly heat it up and the frog doesn't realize that it's dying. That's yeah. a terrible metaphor. But that's metaphor. what it's like with your calendar. You're the frog in the kettle. You're slowly boiling alive as you stack more things on your calendar. I feel like it's a very common metaphor. I'm sorry. I have no idea what that frog in the kettle is. So for those of you who have no idea what the frog in the kettle is, you're welcome for me asking. Getting back to practical ways of resting, something that I've started to do and have really found some enjoyment in is reading. It's restful to read. And a piece of what I do when I read is I actually make sure my phone isn't by me because my phone's next to me. Someone's texting me. Someone's calling me. Like all these alerts are coming through. I find that I'm actually not resting in those moments because then before you know it, like someone sent me a text and before you know it, I'm like five emails deep. And one of the books that I'm actually reading has continued to remind me how important the rhythms of rest are. Thank you to a special friend, a dear friend. Maybe don't call her a special friend. Special friend. They- <laughs> By the way, that's what <laughs> Okay, all that's right. what people used to call Tamara when she was my girlfriend. I guess Christian people at church have a weird thing about girlfriend. So they're like, this is Dale's special friend. I was like, special friend? <laughs> yeah, I'm so like, I have a good friend happening. that just recently sent me a book called Taking Back Your Life by John Eldridge. And it's actually completely changed my idea of rest because it's talking about really resting And a big piece of that is resting from technology. And so that's where I've said like, no, this is really nice. I can actually peacefully sit here, drink a cup of coffee and read my book. I mean, sometimes it's not peaceful because Silas is screaming, but we've learned to block that out, (laughs) but at least he's the only distraction, you know, or he's the only one that's. Um, needing my attention, and he definitely, I mean, he's seven months old, so he most definitely needs it. Getting into the email inbox or the text thread because 
at least you're still just or the instagram feeds because yeah, sometimes just looking at another human is more restful than looking at a screen it is and something else that you and i've been doing lately as we were preparing for this podcast i thought what else are we doing well <laughs> i don't know what we're doing i, don't know how I have much. no idea but one thing is like we we check in on each other lately like hey how are you doing just when the one looks kind of crazy like hair is standing up how are you doing <laughs> but that little question from someone who cares about you and someone who knows you, you're thinking, wow, oh my gosh, I'm and not I doing well at all. I didn't realize until Thank you just you. asked me. You're like, yeah, why are your shoulders up around your ears right now? You're like, are they? <laughs> but just checking in on one another, they've learned he's probably seeing that I'm not well. And that just reminds me again, like, okay, I just need to rest. Even if it's just for a few minutes, and maybe I just actually need to take a lunch break. Maybe I, I need to rest in this moment and just take my full lunch break, not check anything, not, you know, jump on my phone and do something else because I don't actually find enjoyment in that. Sometimes it gives me more anxiety when I'm on my phone. You hear the buzz, you hear the ding, and there's this anxious feeling that I need to get to it and I need to get to it now. And there's there's no one that's telling us that right. that we have to get to it this no. second. If we if I get to it twenty minutes from now, unless someone is like dead or dying, twenty minutes is not going to make any difference, and the other person might not even notice. <laughs> right. The dings on the phone have actually trained our minds to think, oh no, I have to do this now yeah. because you're actually there's mm -hmm. actually a physical effect happening when you hear that. And so we have to figure out what is causing us to not rest and how do we begin to find natural rhythms of rest even within the day. Like it doesn't have to be seven days before you take it or six days or five days. Like you can actually find mm -hmm. rhythms within your day so that you're not to rest. every day just wrecked. Right. Because when you end your days wrecked, it's hard for you and it's hard for everyone else around you. So Rest is important and it's not only important for us because like it's what we're called to, but it's important because God has mm. called us to it because it's the way he's designed us mm. to take rest is not a sign of weakness and allowing rhythms of rest into your life is and actually it's, and it's strength. Only a weak, yes. insecure person doesn't rest. Mm-hmm. Lord help us. Right. And I, I genuinely mean that because it's like you genuinely need help resting. It's such an odd thing to me. Why do we need help resting? But we do. And I'm actually continuing to pray for God to show me those places in my life that need rest. You know, like there's other, there's even just like compartments mm. of your life that might need rest. And it's important to call those out. And even if you have those relationships in your life, to allow those people to call it out in your mm -hmm. life and welcome that. I mean, that's and why on my act. phone, I turn notification off for my emails. There's no ding when I get an email. And so that's one way that, you know, even if I'm still getting texts or calls, um, if it's an email, I'm only going to look at email when I, when I want to look at it, when I've chosen to look at it. Yeah, I think those are a few practical ways that we implement rest and we see the theology of rest actually practiced yeah. in real life. So we hope that that's helpful for you.
And um, I guess we're going to go take a nap now. So Yes, hurry. Silas is sleeping for one more hour. Let's see if we can get a nap in. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Her and Him podcast. If you enjoyed hanging out with us, consider subscribing to the podcast to receive it automatically each week. We'd also love it if you head over to iTunes to leave us a rating and review. And be sure to come visit us at herandhim.com where you'll find show notes for this episode, our blog, and other resources to help you experience the abundant life Jesus promised us. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Hello, this is Dr. Doug Grothuis, host of Truth Tribe, where we seek the truth through reason and evidence about what matters most. And we are not tribal since truth is for everyone. Please join me at the Truth Tribe as I discuss the reasons for Christian faith, the Christian worldview, and moral issues such as abortion and gender ideology. To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search Truth Tribe on your favorite podcast app.